Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. I'm going to continue our series out of the book of James. It's a series I'm calling the Apostolic Mindset. And um, I was listening to something the other day, and it was making a point that the thing that defeated Hitler and Nazi Germany when there are so many reasons why they could have defeated and won in every crucial point of bad decisions and strategy it was because of the ideology of Hitler he was defeated by his own thoughts his own preconceived ideas and I found it incredibly intriguing but I do believe that oftentimes we as believers, thankfully, uh, uh, we do have hope. Uh, but oftentimes what defeats believers is their mindset. It is their ideology. The scripture tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We continue to read, it says, casting down imaginations. And every thought that, anyway, it's the whole thing about it happens in your mind. So if we can think the right thoughts and know the right things and understand the right concepts, uh, we, we are much closer to having victory in our life if we can just have a proper biblical faith-based mindset. And so it is within that desire. I want to have an apostolic mindset. How about you? So uh, you can be seated. We're just going to begin reading. Uh, if you have your Bibles, that's really all you need. James chapter 2. Uh, we're going to begin reading with verse 1. Uh, Brother Nate, you can, uh, you can you do 2 through 9, and you can come down and sit by your girlfriend, uh, and I'll just uh, kind of preach along as we do. It's good to see everyone here today. Amen. I really feel the presence of the Lord today. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So he gives us this high, holy, heavenly concept and contrasts it with something that's not high, holy, or good. Don't have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. To respect persons is not an apostolic mindset. For verse 2, for if there come into your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, 
and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothings, costly clothing. That word means something differently than it did translation of the scripture. Wear the costly clothing and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor, Stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Give them a bad seat. Are you not then partial in yourselves and have become judges of evil thoughts? He's basically asking a rhetorical question with an obvious conclusion. Yes, you are having evil thoughts. You know, that seems to be such a, that, that really goes against our thinking. It is our nature to have a higher respect for wealthy people than poor people. Does that not seem logical? But the scripture is telling us that if we treat people differently based upon their class or their financial standing, that we are putting ourselves and thinking evil thoughts. Everybody say, God, forgive us. Because if we'll be honest, we've all been guilty of this. But the Lord is saying, don't, through his word, that we should not respect persons, positions, class of people. Verse 5, hearken. Listen, my beloved brethren, hath not the God, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which hath promised to them, which he hath promised to them that love him? James is saying, the Lord's chosen to bless the poor of the world with the riches of faith. And if you understand the context of the Jewish people and therefore the early church at the beginning, these were not, as a rule, wealthy people. They were poor people. They were part of a, pardon the word, a discriminated class. You know, you hear the word anti-Semitism as if it's a modern day phenomenon. But Jewish people have been hated since there were Jewish people. If you go study Abraham, people hated Abraham. People hated Isaac. Why? Because they had favor on their life, and favor's not fair. And when you have the favor of God on your life, there's going to be people that are jealous of what you have. And so it was... With the Jewish people, Jesus was a Jewish carpenter. His parents, earthly parents, his mother and his soon-to-be stepfather, they, they had to travel a long distance and stay in a barn when he was born. That's not a sign of wealth. And the disciples, they were, when Jesus called them, with the exception of Matthew, they worked very menial uh, hard uh, manual labor. They were poor. However, it was within this, this lower class of people, a subjugated nation, a, a uh, indentured population that Jesus Christ was born and his disciples were chosen from 
And the early church was made up of these kinds of people. And and James is talking to the early church that when you're having church and a wealthy person comes in, a famous person comes in, it's really talking about people of power, people of position, and they come in and you are not supposed to give them higher respect than you do some poor person. Verse 6, but ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which you are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Love your neighbor as yourself, ye do well. But if ye have respect of persons, ye commit, say it with me, sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. That's some heavy stuff. You know, I find that that it deals with, with our nature, and, and I want to read this again from the Amplified. Uh, you probably don't have this version, so, so you can just listen to these words and think about them as I read them uh, from the Amplified. My fellow believers, do not practice your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of partiality toward people. Show no favoritism, no prejudice, no snobbery. For if a man comes into your meeting place wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in dirty clothes also comes in, and you pay special attention to the one who wears the fine clothes, and you say to him, you, you sit here in this good seat, and you tell the poor man, you stand over there and sit down on the floor by my footstool. Have, not, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives. Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and as believers to be heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you, in contrast, have dishonored the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress and exploit you and personally drag you into the courts of law? Do they not blaspheme the precious name of Christ by which you are called? If, however, you are really fulfilling the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is, if you have an unselfish concern of others and do things for their benefit, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, prejudice, favoritism, you are committing sin and are convicted of by the law as offenders. You find if you do a search on your Bible app or on your computer or if you pull out an old Cruden's concordance and look up the the, 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 the terminology respect of persons, you will find throughout the scripture this is something the scripture tells us God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't care if your name is Jeff Bezos. I read that his wealth today is estimated, I believe, $221 billion. In about five years, he is going to be worth a trillion dollars. 
That's, I think that's, did he get divorced? But how wealthy would he be if he hadn't have gotten divorced? That's a very rich man. And I would say that there are people by the millions would love to be in his orbit. In fact, I read that he and a bunch of other uh, tech oligarchs are all meeting somewhere with the media people strategizing how they're going to control the world. And they've pretty well been doing that around the world now. But on the other hand, the the contrast of that, the world is full of people that don't, they have a negative balance. If you were to add up their assets and their liabilities, there's a lot of people that are just, just making it day to day, week to week, hand to mouth. And, and, uh, and then you have someone that's poor that doesn't even have that. And, and, the, and James is saying in this text, if Jeff Bezos comes in the door and a poor, dirty person comes in the door, and you give Jeff Bezos a special seat, and you give the the poor, dirty person a bad seat, you are thinking evil thoughts. That that is offensive to me, because that just seems that's the way we are, right? And what 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 James is dealing with here is that we have to understand that the value we have in the kingdom has no relationship to the value we have in the world. A soul is a soul. And Jesus shed his precious blood for the poor, dirty person, just like he shed his precious blood for Jeff Bezos. Amen. A soul is a soul. It was born on a date, and it will exist in eternity. And we, as the church of the living God, we need to to judge people with the proper perspective. Jesus died and shed his blood for that soul, and I must be concerned. I must value that person, not because how many zeros behind their, their personal wealth, but because Jesus estimated their value, and he said this blood is for you. Everybody say amen. Matthew 22 and 16 says, And they sent out him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man. This is what they were saying of Jesus. For thou regardest not the person of men. This is what the skeptics, the outsiders said of Jesus. They recognized he hung out with all kinds of people. He was criticized because he ate with publicans and sinners. He was criticized because a woman of ill repute worshipped him. He was criticized because he did not associate based on a person's social status. He was available to be entreated. He did miracles. He healed the untouchable, the unclean, the the, the maimed, the blind, and those that were rejected by other people. In Jude chapter 1 and verse 16, he's describing a, a class of people. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. 
having men's persons in admiration because, because it gives them advantage. Acts 10 and 34 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive. I want you to see this. Acts 10. Some of you may know what this chapter is about. Acts 10 is the first Gentile believers are brought into the kingdom. For the Jew it was illegal, it was unclean to eat in the house of a Gentile. Even though this may not be in the text of scripture, it was Jewish tradition. If you were a Jew, you didn't go into a Gentile's house. And we find that that an angel sent Peter to go to a Gentile's house. And he gets to the Gentile house and the angel said, don't ask a question. When they knock on the door, go with them, don't ask any questions. He blindly obeyed the vision. He goes to the house of a Gentile and he gets there and the Gentile tells Peter of the heavenly vision the angel that sent said to him, send for Peter, he'll tell you what you need to do. And Peter makes this uh, uh, bold proclamation that was a revelation to him of a truth. I perceive that God is no respect of persons. For him as a Hebrew, as a Jew, who had been taught his whole life, you are of the seed of Abraham, you are special, you are... You are a part of the holy seed of God. Faith, you are part of God's chosen people. He has a revelation. God does not respect persons. And in short order, Peter preaches to them about Jesus. And he and the rest of the Jews with him watched as these Gentiles, the unclean, the uncircumcised, received the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues and they were flabbergasted. Their mind was blown because they spoke in tongues just like they spoke in tongues. The Gentiles spoke in tongues just like the Jews spoke in tongues. And the Jews says, wow, the, the Gentiles got the Holy Ghost just like we got the Holy Ghost because we heard them speak in tongues. And here these people all of their life have thought the Gentiles couldn't be saved. But they were watching the Gentiles get the same Holy Ghost that they got. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. I was telling this to Brother Frank Jordan about six weeks ago when I was writing this lesson. And I was talking to him about this lesson. And he made the statement, it's a, a common phrase, but I found it fitting that, that we are all on level ground at the cross. The scripture says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. The scripture, if you study the, the, the teachings of Jesus, the parables of Jesus, you find that Jesus values that which has no value to our world. In, in one startling uh, event, Jesus tells his disciples, I got to go through Samaria. And if you understand, the Jews didn't even go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria. You know how you won't drive through the middle of Jackson at 2 o'clock in the morning? 
not prejudice. It's just good common sense. In fact, you probably should be at home. Don't be anywhere at 2 o'clock in the morning unless you have to, right? But, but they would go around Samaria, and I don't think it was because of crime. I think they went around Samaria because they were genuinely had no, no dealings with Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with them. There was great angst between the two groups of people. But Jesus went through Samaria, and as he, he got there, the disciples went to go get something to eat. And Jesus is sitting there at the well, and he positions himself to meet an untouchable, dirty, nasty person to the Samaritans. Not to mention, she would have been even more so to the Jews. She was an adulteress. She was shacked up with someone, been married multiple times. There's all kinds of reasons why the world would not value her. But Jesus not only went out of his way, but it finds its, what itself, this story finds itself in the text of Scripture. And I, I believe it's there because it's very important for us to understand that the world may not have valued the Samaritan woman, but Jesus did. Jesus went out of his way to have a conversation with someone that many people would have scorned. I have heard it said the reason why she came to the well in the middle of the day is because normally... The women would go to the well at the beginning of the day or the end of the day because of the heat. But she would get to the, the well at the middle of the day because she was avoiding the scorn of the community. And there in the middle of the day when she came, she thought she could come and not worry about the thoughts and the opinions of other people. She met a man named Jesus. And through that encounter, not only was the preparation for her own soul made, you find that all of Samaria came out because of her testimony and heard and saw what Jesus said and did. And then just a few years later, a great revival happened in Samaria. And I believe it is not a stretch to say that that revival was a direct product of the ministry of Jesus to a untouchable, detestable outcast of the Samaria. And what I'm saying to you is there are people in our world that our world doesn't value, but Jesus does. And Jesus can speak into their life and touch their soul, and they can be a key to a city, a key to a group of people. And a great revival can come from someone that the world may not value, but Jesus and his grace, his blood, his spirit, and his name can transform them into an untouchable, into a miraculous vessel of the grace of God to bring light to darkness and hope to the hopeless and healing to the hurting, salvation to the lost. God can use anyone. Somebody say anyone. If Jesus could use a Samaritan woman, he can use a Clintonian young person. Come on, somebody. He can use a Ramonian uh, elder. Hallelujah. He can use a Jacksonian middle-aged person. God can use anybody. If he can use a Samaritan woman, amen, he can use me. In, in, in the parable of Jesus, probably one of the most offensive things Jesus taught that finds its way into Scripture is when there was a question asked of Jesus. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and love thy neighbor as thyself. And one of the 
high-minded Pharisee said, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus told the parable, and the parable went like this. There was a man who fell among thieves, and they robbed him and beat him and left him for dead. And there he is in the ditch. And a, a priest comes down the road and sees him in the ditch and passes him by. And then a, a Levite, another religious sort of person, walks down the road, sees him in the ditch, and passes him on by. But then a Samaritan comes, sees him in the ditch, goes down in the ditch, washes his wounds with oil and wine, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn, and tells the inn, take care of him. And whatever you spend to help him get better, when I come back through, I will pay the bill. And then he asked the question, who was the neighbor? That was offensive. That was preposterous for Jesus to, to look at the two highest people of respect in the Jewish system, the Levite and the priest. And show them to be untouched and unwilling to touch someone in a problem. And then he takes a class and a sort of people that the Jews hated and made him a hero. And said, look what the good Samaritan did to a man in trouble. Jesus said, go and do likewise. Can I tell you that if our faith and our religion... It will not, does not motivate us to reach people that are hurt, that are broken, that are broke, that are in a bad place. And our faith in God doesn't move us to help humanity. Our faith is in vain. Amen. God it will use anyone. No doubt God honors people that, that are religious. They, they are God honors people's uh, uh, movement toward God. It's not to take away from a priest or a scribe, a preacher or a deacon. It's not to take away from the church or the saint. But I believe the Lord was trying to stir up the fertile minds of the righteous to say we must not be so heavenly minded that we don't do any good for the people down here on earth. Amen. We must have pure religion and undefiled before God. Amen. To visit the widowless, to, to, to visit the widows and the fatherless. Something's got to stir up in our heart to be touched. Amen. I like to quote scripture. I like I like to debate theology. I like to preach. I like to teach. I like to sing. I like to shout. But then we have got to adopt a mindset that says, you know what? The greatest way for me to show the worship toward my Lord is to love what He loves. And what does God love? God loves souls. He loves Jeff Bezos. And He loves the poor man. And anything I can do to make myself a part of God's purpose, amen, God's going to bless it. God's going to honor it. God's going to he's going to put his favor on it because God loves the soul. That is the essence of the apostolic mindset. We must not get lost in politics. We must not get lost in materialism. We must not get lost in entertainment and allow our mind to be dominated by things that have no value at all and allow that to be overweighted by the fact there is something that God wants me to do that has flesh on it. God wants me to be a part of the solution for people's trouble. 
I'm reminded of a story I remember one of my pastors telling. Amen. There was a little boy scared of the dark. And uh, he called out in the dark from his little room. Daddy. Daddy comes and sits by the bed by the little boy. And the little boy said, Daddy, I'm, I'm afraid. Daddy says, it's all right, buddy. Jesus is with you. And he tries to make him feel better. And he goes off back to bed. And a little while he hears the little voice, Daddy. Dad gets up, comes in there a little frustrated. What is it, son? I'm scared. I'm scared of the dark. Daddy says, oh, it's all right. You don't have anything to be scared. Jesus is with you. He settles him down. He, he goes back to bed. And just a little while again, he hears that little voice from the dark down the hall in the little room in the little bed. Daddy. Daddy gets up a little frustrated even more. Gets over there. Son, there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus is with you. The little boy says, yeah, but I really need someone with skin on him. And that, to me, is a is really at the end of the day, we can say, God bless you, I'm praying for you. But sometimes the greatest need in people's lives is they need someone with flesh and blood, eyes and ears, amen, hands and feet, to be willing to be a part of their life and help them get out of a ditch, help them to get out of the situation they're in. Be able to show them, I really do believe in you. I really do pray for you. I really do care for you. And I will do what I can to see you healed. Amen. My final point, I have no option. Well, I guess I do have an option. Praise God. Clock back there. I don't need that. That's fine. Amen. I, I, I want to have a proper mindset toward Am I the only one? I, I can see how I have sinned and come short of the glory of God and maybe been a respecter of persons. Anybody join me to confess that you've been a respecter of persons? And I, I, I want the Lord to help me to see people the way He sees them. You know, judge the value of an individual because of the way they think. I wouldn't have to, I, you probably don't have to think about it. There's probably, does anybody know someone in your life that uh, there have been times your opinion of them is that they are of very little value because that they make really bad decisions? <laughs> have some hands here. <laughs> right? We all because this that's not really being judgmental, it's just fact. They have made bad decisions, right? And sometimes we can become jaded and we can become hard-hearted because of, of someone's current position with God, their current status in life, and they are messed up. And from our perspective, it looks like it's their fault. Amen? But we must pray that the Lord would help us to see people and not 
how they've been or how they are. But the grace of God can change people's lives. He made the statement, he said that, that, that there are all these different kinds of people that won't make it into the kingdom of God. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God. All kinds of things. I didn't have this in my notes. And, but he concludes to say, and says, and such were some of you. And if you can look at how the Lord has delivered you from a thing, you can look at someone that needs delivery, deliverance from a thing and say, if he did it for me, he can do it for them. <laughs> Amen. If he did it for my daddy, he can do it for your son. If he did it for my brother, he can do it for your sister. Come on, somebody. Amen. I believe one of the greatest things we can have as an apostolic is we must pray that the Lord would give us an anointed mind and some rose-colored glasses when we're looking at the souls of humanity and say, I believe the blood of Jesus is strong enough and good enough and can deliver them. No doubt they've got to do their part. They need to repent. They need to believe. They need to wake up in the morning and go to work, but in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray for the grace of God to teach them, I'm going to pray for the power of God to deliver them, I'm going to pray for the, the peace of God to move on them and while I'm praying for them Lord God, how in the world can you use me to be the person with flesh that will meet them in their current status and bring them as a bridge to the promised land Amen, Lord Jesus, I want an apostolic mindset. Can we pray in the name of Jesus, touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my spirit. Help me to believe again for some people that, Lord, I have lost faith for. Lord God, maybe it's just an exercise in futility, but God, I want to make myself available. I want to open my heart, my mind, my faith, Lord, to believe again, to pray again, to sow seed again, to invite again, to forgive again. Lord Jesus, I pray that just as you can wash away sins, Lord, wash away my, my, my negativity. Lord God, wash away my, my, my prejudice. Wash away my respect of persons, Lord. Lord, help me, O oh God, to see things as only you can cause me to see them. Lord God, give me, Lord God, uh, uh, glasses that can see people through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord God, that though their sins be as scarlet, they can be white as wool. Though their sins be as red as crimson, Lord God, they can be white as snow. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for anointed mindset, anointed eyesight, an anointed heart, Lord, a discernment of spirits. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you, O oh God, would help me. God, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me. It's me, Lord. Touch me today. Help me to think right thoughts. Help me to do right deeds. Help me, Lord Jesus, to pursue the right goals. Help me, O oh God, to reach for all, for all souls. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Lord Jesus, I, I pray right now. I want you to think about names. Nobody's listening to you. They may, you may hear me. I want to name some names today. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray for the grace of God, the salvation of your spirit to visit, Lord God, Raymond, Mississippi, Byron, Mississippi, Crystal Springs, Mississippi, 
Clinton, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, uh, Bolton, Mississippi, Edwards, Mississippi, Flora, Mississippi, Lord God, Pocahontas, Mississippi, uh, Richland and Florence, Mississippi, Lord Pearl and Brandon, Lord Jesus, R- R- Rich, uh, uh, Ridgeland and Madison, Lord God, I pray, Lord Jesus, a 50-mile circle around the place we stand, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, on the rich and the poor, the, the, the right and the wrong, the black and the white, the Hispanic and the Indian, the Asian, Lord God, and, and, and the Hes- everybody, Lord God, no matter where they are, Lord Jesus, whether they're illegal or illegal, Lord God, Lord Jesus, whether they're visiting on a visa, Lord God, or, or they're, they're here, Lord, on vacation, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our community, O oh Lord. God, you are not a respecter of persons and God I pray that you would confirm your word even Lord God to everyone that hears this confirm your word with signs following God I 